We're about to bring our two main plot lines for season one to a close in what I can only describe as a chaotic ride of an episode. Hi, and welcome to Belated Binge Sons of Anarchy, the re-binge podcast that doesn't take itself or the show too seriously. I'm Zach, your host, revisiting some of the most iconic series in recent memory that I nearly missed out on, like Sons of Anarchy, which I didn't watch until like four years after the last episode aired on TV, and I've watched almost every year since, except for this past year, which I was saving for this podcast. Today, we continue our binge of season one with episode eight, The Pool. The Belated Binge Podcast. Before we dive in, there will be spoilers. The series wrapped in 2014. So, yeah, it's kind of unavoidable at this point. Uh, There will also be some adult language and situations. Trigger warnings just everywhere. Just, just by default, use earbuds. Shout out to Alex and Katie of the Bonus Binge Squad. For your own shout outs and access to bonus episodes, join Patreon.com slash Belated Binge. There is a link in the show notes, and I'm going to say it up front in this episode because it is absolutely tied to... This series, uh, the sequel fan fiction that I was writing in 2020 that I am sharing on Patreon. Uh, the episodes are like, uh, what you call, like audiobook format. I'm just, I, I'm reading 11 chapters of this fanfic that I started as a sequel to Sons of Anarchy following Abel and Thomas's story. If you have any interest in that, I hope that it is entertaining to those that are partaking. Uh, check it out on Patreon. As usual with Sons of Anarchy, I'm going to try to kick this thing off and introduce the episode as if it was a romantic comedy. Wish me luck. <laughs> All right, here we go. There are very few things that can bring the joy of a parent holding their child for the first time. For Jack's, it's made even more special that he get to share this moment with his high school sweetheart, someone he would kill for. Let's jump into episode eight, The Pull. We open up on little kids. Not really. It's Darby's racist ass, and um, it's good to know that he's living the suburban dream, fresh out of prison with his swastika tattoo, and he's got an envelope in the mail showing evidence and the of the the club's gun source and i don't even remember uh where that thread is heading or at least i didn't remember where that thread was heading when i was watching this and these are the notes from when i was watching it uh by the end you kind of get it figured out uh now now we've got jackson clay uh quick update on where we are with the money that we owe to the irish you know If only they just agreed to store and assemble the guns at the clubhouse so they wouldn't have this problem. You know, like they started doing to get the cash to get them out of this problem. But we're up to like uh, 130K of our $200,000 bill or whatever it is, the the numbers. You don't care about the numbers. This isn't a math class. Uh, and, And we're now getting a lesson in monetizing pornography. And you thought that this show wasn't gonna be educational. And Jax gives us some 
Good news, finally. Someone, give us good news. I mean, some people would consider porn good news, I guess, but they haven't really tapped into that resource yet. Spoilers. The good news that Jax does give us, though, is that Abel is coming out of the toaster. Woo! Jax gets to be a dad. And now we're back to Darby. Uh, we're getting a lot of Darby uh, right now. And he's in the desert meeting with Alvarez. And we've got a close-up on Alvarez's boy that is with him. That's so you recognize his face later. Which is a situation that I think I'll have a lot to say about when we get to that point. Uh, for now, we've got our meeting of the bad guys. You know, the, they don't even like each other. It's, you know, enemy of my enemy is a friend and blah. Whatever. Here's a question, though. Who do you hate worse? The rival biker or the racist drug dealer? Meh. Maybe that should be a poll question. I don't know. Here, impromptu. Let me know. What do you think? Who do you hate worse? Alvarez or Darby? Particularly at this point in the series, if you're a rewatcher. Use, um... Let's, let's make this one for the uh, voicemail feature on my website, belatedbinge.com. Click the leave a voicemail icon and tell me who you hate worse, Darby or Alvarez, in this moment. In this moment, though, Darby offers up his ATF evidence that he has to Alvarez as an opportunity to take over the son's gun business and the heroin trade in Oakland from the Niners, since that's who Sam Crow sells guns to. In return, Darby Darby doesn't want much. He just wants Alvarez to kill Sam Crow, starting with Clay. Also, Darby can deal drugs in this tiny ass town. This is, I'm sorry this this is such a small minded plan for like so many reasons. Darby's like Doctor Evil when he says that shit about. Why demand a billion when you can get a million or something like that? You know, Scotty, don't Darby, don't seriously. I'm, I'm calling bullshit on two fronts here. One, I get that small town America tends to have a drug problem, but he's talking about wiping out the mother chapter of a deadly motorcycle club so that he can sell drugs inside the town and not just on the outside of the town. How much more money are we really talking about here? Is the increase paying his HOA fees in his suburb? Like, I don't feel like the risk reward scales are leveling out for Darby and his plan. Two, if Alvarez was able to just up and kill Clay and all of Sam Crow, They'd be dead already. These two clubs have been at odds for decades. They literally have been to war. They're still basically shooting on sight. He's been trying to kill them since at least the 90s. How's Darby think he can just snap his fingers Thanos style and actually succeed because of a couple pictures in an envelope? Moron. But Alvarez hasn't put that math together because he's putting the order out on Clay and Darby. 
Darby I get, but Clay? Spoiler alert, this doesn't go well. And credits. Riding through this world. All along. I should probably stop there so that I don't get struck for copyright or something. I don't know. I want to meet the tattoo artist who's making the tattoos that like morph and jump off of people's skin. Also, apparently, in my notes as I was watching this episode, I got some pretty uh, interesting commercials uh, because my next note literally says, I can't believe the Kardashians is still a thing. Sorry, still cheaping out on Hulu commercials over here. So many commercials that I was dealing with. Uh, but now back to the show. Uh, no sponsors on this podcast. If you want to change that, hit me up. Gemma's with Abel at the hospital. And she's still sulking from the night before, so I guess we know where we are in the timeline uh, for the episode. This this TV show does not a lot of time jumps. Like, a lot of these episodes do pretty much pick up, like, right where the previous one left off. Um but can we just stop real quick and point out how Gemma looks like an emo teenager just like pouting because her parents told her she couldn't go to the Fall Out Boy concert if she didn't clean her room? But she really wants to go, though, so she's apologizing, even though everyone knows she doesn't mean it. And now she's morphing into overzealous mom again, and we're obsessing over Tara again. And in comes the porn queen. And this is Otto's old lady, in case you uh, forgot to uh, that connection. Because um, Otto's not, he gets mentioned more than we actually see him. Uh, but as a reminder, Otto's the club member that we met in prison before. Remember Chucky? Uh, in this moment, we have Kurt Sutter's screen wife and his real wife together in the scene. Uh, Gemma's asking for a loan on behalf of the club, and Luann gets pretty defensive pretty quickly. But what a resume! Like, I'm really impressed. She earned a producer role from six years of, and I quote directly, taking two in the ass and letting some teenager blow a load on her face. Is that how you become a producer? I guess that's why I never heard back from ESPN all those times that I tried. I clearly hadn't earned it properly. Anyway, uh, logistically, that does seem like a very painful and highly difficult resume to pull off, pull out, or put in in the first place. I don't know. Uh, I need to stop uh, or else I'm getting canceled. Whatever. Uh, she's going to loan them a chunk of money, and it takes a little bit of negotiation to come to an agreed-upon interest rate. Because bad shit happens to greedy whores, uh, which is exactly how all conversation between friends should end, I think. I'm definitely going to use that between me and my buddies in real life from now on. Specifically talking about them and to them. I want to make that very clear. Don't cancel me. I'm literally quoting the show we're, we're, we're watching here. Everything's okay. They're just jokes. It's fine. Jax is apparently a Marvel spinoff character, though. Like, I don't understand. Is this a backdoor pilot? Is Nick Fury going to show up and tell him that the world needs a biker hero to fight some alien galaxy game called the Asteroids? This dude is an outlaw 
biker, not a volunteer firefighter. Why is he flying into like a trucker accident and taking charge like he's some trained first responder? It doesn't make sense. There had to be like a hundred other ways for Jax to learn that Darby is selling drugs to truckers that don't require him to put on a cape. Anyway, now we've got investigative bikers on duty. They know everything about Darby's drug business. We got Opie. He's back. He's apparently been away doing some recon from his wood splitting job. Juice, the tech and drug expert and, you know, piece of one line dialogue is his specialty. Uh, We've got Tig back being first to demand that they do something violent because reasons. Uh, He hates Jax every time he suggests anything logical because we have to keep that feud alive somehow and we still need money we need all the money have i have i caught everything in this strange just frantic scene of info dump uh chibs puts the money thing on half sack though the prospect which is actually kind of fitting since it's half sack's fault that they lost a bunch of money in that fighting fixing gone wrong yeah that didn't go well. Uh, you can interpret this as uh, essentially um, half sack needs to make up for trying to put scotch tape on a on a plumbing leak, maybe um, perhaps shitting the bed or pissing down his leg. Either way, you want to think of that. Uh, he wouldn't still be a prospect after how that went is kind of what I'm saying. So now they're putting the pressure on him to try to figure out how to pay back the money somehow and then some. And we've got Darby's boys. Um, they are at, like, um, the hospital before Jackson Obi could get there. They gave the trucker a real good beatdown while he was already laying in a hospital bed. So, real tough guy stuff. I guess an easy target. Jackson and Obi aren't really phased by it, though. They don't really care all that much um they do confirm that he didn't buy the drugs in charming which is essentially the thing that they care about most and opie offers to call someone for him which makes him a nice guy and now we've got a side mission we have from biker superhero Jax to viker super villain or fast and furious because now we're gonna go steal a diesel tanker of course, the Nords got there first, but Jackson and Opie are, uh, you know, Dom and Brian, RIP, on Harleys. Literally, I, I think this is the same set that they used in at least two of the Fast and Furious movies. Do you notice, like, the, the, the canyons on each side? Like, I literally can only see Dom driving with Letty and the rolling uh, semi-truck behind them, and he does the cool, like you know, slide limbo thing underneath the truck to get them through it without dying. That's what it seems like is happening now, except we have Harleys and a semi. Anyway, who's the chick jumping out of the car to fight these guys, by the way? Karen drives a 4x4 and barely flinches when the guns come out for some reason. I'm not sure why she's there. Um... Anyways, they're not the only ones that are stealing something in this very moment. Halfsack also steals an ambulance. And Juice is fantastic. 
he just kind of shakes his head. He's less phased than Karen is in this moment. Uh, and then, of course, oh shit, it's the cops! But I'm I'm just kidding. It's it's Unser. That's he's not a real cop. Uh, Jax is selling him the tanker because, <laughs> yeah, I guess, sure. Um, Unser has a trucking business. Yep, Jax does figure that gas prices are getting pretty high, and the sheriff, 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 chief, police, five o, wee woo wee woo. He's going to buy the stolen goods. Definitely. He's right, because Unser's an awful cop, and he's a really, really funny cop. Uh, and he's going to buy the tanker. And so we just made a bunch of money that we needed. Halfsack is uh, back at TM trying to explain his genius plan to the guys, and it's slightly less thought out than Jax's plan was. Um, some pretty good jokes happen, though, to diffuse the tension. And Jax shows up with a pocket full of cash, and Tig is not stoked about it. Remember? Feud between these two. We got to butt heads. Uh, it's not going to be the last time. Promise. Now we've got John Teller narrating Jax's evening date with Mary Jane. Uh, and Gemma comes to get Jax so that he can get to the hospital. To Abel. All this while Clay and Tig head for the Irish meeting with a bag full of cash. Everything's going to work out great. Uh, but it turns out they are meeting a new contact, and this dude makes my skin crawl. But that's just knowing what happens later. Yeah, for now, he's just an Irish dude in a pub for a large transaction with our club. For now. And now it's hospital time. Tara and Jax look like the happiest we've seen in eight episodes, uh, with good reason. This is the part where the parents in the audience wipe away a tear, uh, unless, of course, they're cold, heartless, or just too fucking tough and cool for all that pussy shit. Anyway, uh, Gemma doesn't even get all pissy about Tara and Jax being happy in the same room, because that's like her literal nightmare. Uh, but the one thing that can counteract that nightmare is her family. Gemma is Dom. And Gemma and Tara leave Jax to have a moment with his baby boy. And this is, this is a heartfelt moment. We're going to give it a second. And now we have the worst acted scene of the season. Overtaking Cherry's dialogue after being smacked in the face with a skateboard, in case you're keeping track at home. Uh, this is the Nord who's screaming at Darby's TV, but his timing is terrible, and his choice of words is terrible. Uh, this could have been acted and edited by the middle school video production class if you went to a rich school that had that. I didn't. Um, but it was bad. It's just... I don't know. It, it was just poor. Um, but good for the dude for getting into a show and good for whoever edited it for, I don't know. I, they got paid, I suppose. Um, but of course, as we're toasting to an arms war, Hit Squad shows up at both places. This is Alvarez's dumbass plan come to fruition, which is perfect, I guess. 
these dudes in the bar can't shoot at all, but they hit Cameron, the Irishman that we just met in the leg before Tig shoots one. And I think the bartender is the one that like blows the other one away with a shotgun or something. Um, all, all bartenders have shotguns in case you're wondering that's so that you don't steal their watered down booze. I think, uh, and at Darby's, they're just like blindly spraying with their eyes. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. Um, that was a visual by the way, for the YouTube audience, those listening in the podcast apps probably just heard spitting onto the microphone. Sorry about that. Um, I, I'm spraying just like the bullets are spraying and Darby gets away and the shooters are stupid. They take the file and they figure all white dudes look the same. There's a joke in there somewhere. So now we have a reignited biker war, and these idiots couldn't even kill Darby. So awesome. Uh, Halfsack is super proud of himself, though. Uh, who knew that he was going to steal an ambulance and the club would, you know, immediately need an ambulance? It's almost like the show was scripted or something chibs turns out has some experience as a medic in the military so it seems before he was discharged um tig is on his high horse about how he knew darby was working with the mayans and knew darby told them about the irish and all of that and here's the thing that i need to talk through how the hell does Tig make that connection? Particularly Darby and the Irish. Not that they're working together, but that Darby knew any more than the Mayans would about Sam Crow and the Irish. Seriously. The only reason that Darby knew anything about the Irish is that Agent Cone left it for him in his mailbox. This is Tig saying stuff that doesn't make any sense. And now I'm going to make this very clear. This is not an anti-Tig thing. This is an anti-writing thing. There's no logical reason that I can think of, and I'm open to being corrected if I have missed something in my rewatch and just copious note-taking of these episodes along the way, Darby doesn't know about the gun source until he has the envelope at the beginning of this episode. At what point would Tig have ever thought that Darby knew about the Irish? And therefore, how would he connect the two here in this scene, in this dialogue? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but now he starts lecturing Jax directly about how they have to go kill everyone, and Jax is the only one who's not really stoked about their position, you know, thinking logically a little bit. And we do get a nice little, like, heartwarming moment, I guess, with Clay. No, not really. Not at all. Clay just wants blood. Uh, he sends Opie to round up the troops, and Tig doesn't trust Jax. I think we got that. It's actually been pretty much seared into our brains at this point. It's not going to stop now. Now we're back at the ambulance. 
uh, and the Irishman is not doing so well. Cameron, the Irishman. I call him the Irishman. Um, I think mostly because that's what they mostly call him on the the show, I think. Uh, anyways, Chibs needs tools, and Jax is still mad, so he offers to go you know, with a shopping list uh, to, to Tara's, and she doesn't ask any questions at all. Uh, Jax takes the time to actually have a nice little heart-to-heart tonight uh, with Tara, not Clay, just making that clear. Um, and, you know, there's a nice little pep talk in here. And it's it's cute. It is. But um, that's not really the point of all of this. The The point of all of this is to show us that, you know, the shit that's going on at Tara's house, that's not over. Enter creepy stalker federal agent who obviously didn't get detained properly upon his exit of town. Agent Cone. And this is why I say before that Jax should have pressed those charges. And Jax's bike is conveniently too loud to hear the screaming. I'm not going to go into all the ways that this doesn't make sense. Let's just call this plot convenience and move on. Now it's time to get very, very uncomfortable. And this is a trigger warning for... Uh, attempted sexual assault. Okay. Agent Cohn, Josh, he's a spiraling psychopath. Uh, and Tara quickly realizes where this is heading and what she has to do to get out of it. Perhaps uh, still breathing. She starts smiling. She starts agreeing with him. And it's honestly really cool acting um, that she does because she looks just insidious. In this moment, she's still scared, but she's smart. Tartar is very smart. That's Tartar. It's disgusting. Uh, apparently, uh, she had an abortion in Chicago, and here comes the violence uh, that she didn't enjoy and why she got the restraining order in the first place. We see it. Uh, seems like she got knocked out pretty easily, though, uh, if I can just say that um, without too much backlash. I don't know. She's not out very long, though. She comes to just in time for the obvious sexual assault that this was all leading up to. Um, and then the acting is and just turned on again, and she's, like, award-winning. Uh, she lulls him into a state of vulnerability and then grabs the gun and bang! Pretty good. Uh, and that part's badass. Uh, this scene is a just a weird, weird roller coaster, particularly for Tara, for obvious reasons. Um, she's scared, she's smart, she's stupid, then she's smart again, then she's cunning, and then she's a badass, all in the same scene. It's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit overwhelming, to be honest. Uh, and she calls Jax, and he hears his phone. Couldn't hear her screaming earlier, but here's his flip phone. He just happened to be at a stop sign. And the bike was only idling. Like when he was in her driveway. I, I can't. Um, just add it to the running list of plot convenience. Um, he comes back to the house. Uh, we, we aren't cutting away from this, by the way, uh, which I do appreciate because this is kind of a big deal. Uh, in this episode, so I, I like that they kept it here. They didn't like 
they didn't break away to go show us something happening at TM and then come back to it kind of thing. Um, at least not that I caught in my notes, um, nothing meaningful enough to make me actually write it down. Um, but I appreciate that because they do that sometimes. Um, they, this show has a lot of, a lot of cutting from different, um, storylines that are taking place, uh, tangentially or tan, tan, tangentially would not be the correct word to use there. Um, they're coinciding. They are, they are uh, operating on the same plane. They are running parallel storylines and sometimes it bounces back and forth. And this is, this is sticking to this one, which I like, um, Tara's still in her underwear. I don't know why I felt the need to point that out, but I pointed it out. Uh, Jax takes the gun from her. And Cone does the only logical thing that he could possibly do in this moment. He starts screaming and insulting her. And Jax doesn't do the dumb thing that they always do on TV. He just blows the dude's brains out. And Tara's doing well. That's a joke. She, she's not doing well. At all. She's, she's been through a lot here. And she's... Yeah, it's all it's all coming out. Um, of course, though the 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 only the only logical thing to do in this situation is to um, well, it's to have sex next to the dead body in the same bed that he tried to rape you in, to the same song that he was playing when he was trying to do it. There's I there's so many problems with this whole scenario, but it's fairly fitting end to such a shitty episode anyway i've done a lot of show worship uh in these episodes so far um but this one has a lot of silly sauce in it the plot the choices the characters this thing's kind of like a parody of a real sons of anarchy uh episode uh the 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 season the series that we've been watching to this point has has been better than this um it's obviously i'm 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 giving it a little bit of a hard time it's obviously still a good show it's an enjoyable watch i i I really like it um it's just it's just silly um if you put one of their guns to my head and made me choose a worst episode from season one i'm not sure how i would pick any ahead of this one Uh, but hey it's been a while since I've done a rewatch, so maybe I'm forgetting something in the back half of the season that I'll say then would be the, that thing for me. Uh, I know there are going to be episodes that I hate more than this one. I just don't know um, that it's going to be for the same types of reasons because uh, it's going to be it's going to be more about their outcomes and implications. I think not because I don't think that they make a lot of sense. Um, this one's just kind of just kind of bad from that standpoint uh from more from a storytelling standpoint this one is just not there again we're grading on a scale of good to great with this show um this is this is firmly firmly in the bottom of good pile uh there's plenty of bikes and bullets i like jackson opie together um we get so little of that particularly for a show where they're supposed to be you know best friends for their entire lives like i'm i'm constantly surprised by how little we actually get of them showing us them being best friends on this show. Um, this this episode just kind of goes off the rails throughout. Um, while I do find the um, the the ending climax not not the literal one, but the one where Jack shoots Cone in the head to be very very satisfying. It's um, it's truly one of a few bright spots in an otherwise kind of messy messy 
uh, installment from this series. Uh, and, and yeah, but I do, I, I really like that. Um, particularly because he doesn't do the thing where they talk a lot and do a lot of like planning and, and do almost like the evil monologue and whatever, and, and give the guy a bunch of opportunities to try to escape or have something happen or not going according to plan, whatever. He's just like, no, we're not messing with this. I'm just going to walk over and I'm going to pow. And that ends that storyline done. I like that. Um, and luckily I'm not going to say, uh, like, I'm not going to say this kind of thing very often with this series. Uh, even even what might be the worst episode, it still has a lot of moments in it that I enjoy. And in a general rewatch, I can look past like everything that it, I think is a little silly with just like a simple smirk and shaking my head and I just kind of move on. But this is a podcast, so I'm obviously watching and reviewing much more critically I'm taking copious notes and I'm way more open to making fun of my favorite show when I look this close. Um, but let's not let that distract us too much from two very important things that happened in this episode. Two of our season long plot lines have essentially been resolved just now. They have paid the Irish and agent Cone is dead. That's huge. Just about every episode has been gearing up to getting the resolutions to these two plot lines. And we got them right here and discarded pretty sloppily, to be honest. Um, but there's 13 episodes in this season. This is episode eight. If we just ended our two biggest storylines, what are we going to do for the next five episodes of the season? Rewatches are cringing right now, and any newbies should be just giddy for the ride. Um, but if you're still here, it means you're a serious fan of Sons of Anarchy and the podcast. So I do want to remind you um, that I do have that uh, fan fiction sequel series that I started writing back in 2020 when I needed a creative outlet and that I'm sharing on Patreon. There's 11 chapters that I wrote. I am reading them uh, in audiobook format and sharing them a, basically a, a chapter at a time. It's not going on a, uh, a cadence. I'm not holding them back from you as, as quick as I can read them and edit them and post them. They're, they're going to be there. Um, so if you're interested in hearing those, join Patreon. Patreon.com slash belated binge. There's also a link in the show notes. Before we go... Let's rewrite Sons of Anarchy one small change to each episode at a time. For this episode, what if Unser doesn't buy the tanker from Jax? What if he actually does his job and arrests him instead? Let's see what that does to our story. I'm going to share that question on social media. You can follow at Belated Binge across TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, x i guess um there's also an exclusive facebook group for listeners of this podcast links to all the things uh and i will um i will share the best responses that i get in a future episode of this podcast if you enjoyed this episode re-binging sons of anarchy give me a follow leave a review on apple Podcasts or whatever you're listening on if you're watching subscribe to the channel comment below what you think 
Um, I'd also welcome you to check out the other binges of The Office and Harry Potter that are happening on this podcast feed. Belatedbinge.com has links. Sorry, let me say that again. Belatedbinge.com has links to everything, and you can also use it to leave a voicemail with your own thoughts. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, life is short. Buy the motorcycle. When you do, wear a helmet. Dress for the slide, not the ride, and make sure that you're taking belated binge along for that ride.